0: Well, Walk the Line, how exciting. (laughs) Hi everyone, my name's Bethany. And I'm Joel. And this is Sunday School Cinema. Okay, so this week we watched Walk the Line, which I had not seen, I mean, very possibly since we watched this for group, which would have been like 10 years ago. What about you, Joel? (laughs)
1: I've probably seen it once since then, and... I have seen this movie a lot. I really loved this movie when it first came out, and I watched it several times back. You know, it came out back in '05, and I, I probably watched it at least half a dozen times in the first several years it was out. But it has been probably, I would say, absolute minimum, it's been five or six years since I've seen it. So
0: okay, okay. I mean, I also remember really liking this movie when it first came out. I think part of it, so 2005, so I would have been 21. It was actually. Within a year or two of when I discovered Johnny Cash mm-hmm. for the first time, because we definitely did not listen to, to Cash growing up. This
1: this was my intro. I was I had no interest. I had no interest whatsoever in any of the music in this movie until I saw the movie, and then I really loved all of it. I went out and bought some of his stuff pretty much immediately.
0: Yeah, and I have um, I, I have read at least one, if not both, of the books of, of the autobiographies that this movie was based off of. I think I've only read one, but. And so, I, so I, I definitely, although I may not have done it until after the movie, I don't remember, but I definitely have a, a fondness for Johnny Cash. And I think watching this movie for the first time in a long time was interesting. I am not a fan of Joaquin Phoenix in the way that a lot of people are. I think he's fine. Uh, <laughs> I think that I liked him better rewatching it now than I liked him when i first watched it uh i still think that reese witherspoon is a ray of fucking sunshine in every scene that she enters she's so good
1: i had forgotten that she won an oscar for this movie but she absolutely deserved it
0: fucking well earned (laughs) she's so damn good
1: i i do like joaquin phoenix i'm i'm you know i'm with the the i guess sort of mainstream opinion that he's one of the best actors of the current generation i think he's great joker notwithstanding but there were at least half a dozen times in the movie where i found myself thinking i kind of wish this was from her perspective right at least this for this part of the story it seems like she's probably more interesting like i would have it was kind of a long movie as it was but i feel like i would have liked to have seen them do like remember that um what was that thing called i can't even remember who did it i think james mcavoy was in it it was a, a pair of movies that were like was it james mcavoy and jessica chastain maybe it was a pair of oh, movies. Yeah, it was like uh, a romance story that was told, yeah, yeah, so it was it was told from like there were two movies that were the same story from one from his perspective, and one from hers. I would have liked to have seen something like this like that of this story. I I never saw that, so I don't, I can't speak to the quality, but I like the concept and I would have liked to have seen something like that for this. Cuz like what was her childhood like? She fucking grew up on the stage, like she must have had a fascinating upbringing too, and yeah, they just weren't they weren't able to get into any of that.
0: Well, and because it is all based on his perspective and the thing that I found Okay, like, first off, like, let's be clear. The music in this movie is fucking fantastic. And as someone who, like, it's so good, I would happily watch the entire movie. Did I like the entire movie a lot because of the music? (laughs) Uh, Because a lot of it, as someone who does not like biopics, like, Almost ever. It has a lot of the same problems that many biopics have. I mean, there are scenes, you know, when like sees like the Shoeshine boy and like where I'm just like, this is dumb.
1: Yeah, that really stood out to me this time, the Shoe shine thing. Well one one thing one thing that has happened in my life since the last time I watched this movie was that I watched Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story which I don't know if you've seen that.
0: I have not. (laughs) But
1: it's, I mean, it's kind of a parody of this type of movie in general, but it's very specifically a parody of this movie as well. And it's so, it's one of the, like, it's so dead on in its satire of this stuff that it's really hard to watch this movie and take it seriously now. (laughs) Like, one of the things that I really remember from that was that, like, basically the uh, Johnny's father, or or Dewey's father in that one pretty much every time he's on screen after the opening scene where the brother dies he at some point yells that god killed the wrong son <laughs> basically every time he's on screen <laughs> like stuff like that that just like you know it's it was just so dead on in its parody that it makes it tough to not remember that watching uh, watching this one again but you know that's not that's not really a, f- a fair thing to bring to the evaluation of this movie but
0: i mean like yes and no like it absolutely has these things where i'm like where i'm i'm watching this movie now and i'm like i fucking love Johnny Cash music, and it had been a long time since I had listened to any, and I was like, what a joy mm-hmm. to, like, listen to this music, and watch him and Reese Witherspoon sing, and she just, like, lights up the screen. Her smile is amazing. Like, I, I'm just like, I would go watch that woman do anything. Right.
1: And they, made, they made the really good decision of not, like, dubbing in the singing. They had all the actors do their own singing, which... You know they don't sound exactly like the originals, but it kind of gives it its own feel, and they sound enough like them that it isn't distracting. And I think that was a really good call that really works in the movie's favor.
0: I, I agree, and he learned to play guitar and shit, right? Like, right. I was...
1: Yeah, yeah. No, he did the whole thing. I, I would not have picked him to play Johnny Cash, but I thought I think he does great. I think I think he really nailed it.
0: I, I think he does a really good job. I, I do. I watching it again. I was a lot more appreciative of a lot of his performance. And who knows? Maybe if I watched more Walking Phoenix movies again, I would become more appreciative of the performances. If only I didn't hate most of them. Anyway, I... That makes it tough, yeah. It does. It's hard. I, like, watching this movie, I'm watching these two people who are glorious to watch. And also, uh, the woman who played his first wife, uh, Jennifer yeah, Goodwin. Yeah, poor
1: Jennifer Goodwin had...
0: Poor fucking Jennifer. I mean,
1: God. She's good, but man, she was like the the cliche of like the sad nagging wife to a degree that was just kind of painful. She literally never had anything else to do.
0: I don't know if you remember, but his but his kids with her made a statement after the movie and were very upset about that portrayal. I
1: do recall that, yeah.
0: (laughs) Which like fair. Yeah. Uh (laughs) but she does a great job and but like Realistically, this movie, which runs two hours and fifteen minutes, <laughs> does all of the things that I hate in Biopics, where we have the traumatic childhood sequence and which is pretty fucking awful, don't get me wrong. Yeah.
1: Yep, as bad. And like
0: we're setting up for the thing that like makes him who he is and then and then to ta- to make it worse he's a fucking drug addict so then we spend ha- like over half the movie by a long shot watching him be incredibly self-destructive and shitty to like everyone around him especially his wife and <laughs> fucking june
1: right future wife and, yeah
0: I was just like it's weird because I actually I have a soft spot for Johnny Cash in spite of knowing that he was like a very he he was a complicated person. And there are certainly things where I'm like, mm. uh, <laughs> but I, I believe that, you know, he was trying. He certainly did things that some people didn't do. I mean, it's it's fascinating to watch him like perform at Folsom. And think about like issues of you know justice in the judicial system, and um, you know him like actually seeing prisoners as human beings
1: mm-hmm.
0: was like that's a big that's a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> and probably even less common in some ways at that point. But I gotta tell you, man, like I realized like in the ending scene, <laughs> in the ending scene where Johnny Cash proposes to June on stage. And it's clearly supposed to be romantic when she finally says yes and we get the the famous like shot of her. Yeah,
1: that fucking gorgeous shot of them on stage together. But
0: beautiful. But this is fucking terrible.
1: Yeah, it literally immediately followed a scene where she turns him down, and it is clear that she has turned him down many times. And incidentally, a
0: great scene in which she was in which every point she brought up was very fucking relevant right like you have given no like her line oh my god where he was like you know these things work themselves out and she was like shit does not work itself out (laughs) god if people (laughs) work it out for you and you assume it works itself out and i was like chef's kiss yeah that that was a
1: great (laughs) line yeah that is one of those that line has i remember that line from watching it years ago that line has always stuck with me
0: i had forgotten and I was like, tell me that that line is not applicable to so many goddamn men.
1: Yeah, and you know <laughs> rich, successful people certainly. That's
0: Absolutely. I, you know,
1: it, like we mentioned, it is a two hour and 15 minute movie and you know, Johnny and June did end up married and they lived together until she died and you know, he
0: died very soon. Thereafter. Right. So,
1: from all appearances, they did have like a genuine love story that was complicated, but also probably there was a lot of admirable stuff there. But I feel like for the movie to get from that scene on the bus to that scene on stage, they needed to put something else in there to make it not seem just kind of icky. And you know, they weren't.
0: Yeah, I agree. They,
1: I, I would have liked to have seen this as a limited series rather than <laughs> a movie. Maybe like. Maybe that would have been the key. Sure,
0: yeah. and I think that your point about her perspective is so important because I still didn't know a lot of like her questions, like what well, her fucking kids, her like, yeah. you know, like all of these things. Not to mention that she is undergoing, and this is an interesting thing that the movie brings up and never really like dives into. But like, she is undergoing a level of public scrutiny that Johnny <laughs> will never have. <laughs> right.
1: I mean, she's a child celebrity. She's been in. She's been in the spotlight since she was like five years old, and you know. and
0: she is having strange and grocery stores tell her that she is fucking shaming her parents and like is an mm-hmm. abomination like these are whereas johnny is still ultimately like being kind of celebrated right well sure he's the um, rock star guy
1: so it's he, it's expected that he kind of behaved that way yeah and
0: there's just there's no indication that he understands that
1: yeah she probably didn't yeah <laughs> I mean, I, not that this is like that they shouldn't have included it or that it was inaccurate or whatever, but I had also not particularly remembered the scene with him sleeping with what is clearly a teenage fan, you know, that oh, I, yeah. I, I remembered the scene, but I did not remember how insanely young she obviously was. That was a little troubling for me yeah. on this watch, but.
0: Which is probably correct, but they included it kind of, they included it kind of without I'm not going to say without critique. I mean, he's obviously supposed to be kind of spiraling. Yeah,
1: they included it as part of his larger pattern of of bad behavior.
0: (laughs) For like a two plus hour movie where solidly like 40 minutes of it is probably music. Yeah. And it's great. And like, it's enjoyable to watch. It looks good. You know, it's well well acted, etc. But just like, I don't know. I, I don't know that I would watch it again. I would probably just go listen to some of their music.
1: I mean see i I found myself spending a lot of the movie thinking, and I haven't looked this up, I probably could, but was there really a tour with Johnny Cash, Elvis Presley, Jerry Lee Lewis, Roy Orbison, and June <laughs> Carter that like a theater tour you go see them with like three hundred people was that really did that really happen because God damn, that would be incredible. Can you imagine having been at that show? <laughs> like,
0: I can't, <laughs> like, Let's see. This says there was a... There's a jam session with him, Elvis, Carl Perkins, Jerry Lee Lewis um, that was recorded. And I believe Johnny Cash opened for Elvis.
1: Speaking, speaking of Elvis, I was a little bit... I was also pretty entertained by the scene where he first tries drugs. And the guy's like, Elvis <laughs> takes them. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, it's like such a, like... like the most, like, cliche, like, PSA version of peer pressure that that I've never encountered in real life. I'm not sure that's a thing that actually exists. Certainly not among adults, but...
0: When I look at this movie and I'm like, okay, like... I mean, I would say go read the biographies which are definitely interesting and which i i for sure remember reading and even like 10 15 years ago having moments of like i'm not sure i'm with him on this yeah <laughs> but like he is such a he's such a fucking presence and he is a very good writer mm-hmm. um i don't know if he had a ghostwriter or anything but like the books are really good and you really feel his weight i guess and you know listen to his music read his books all of that this is like one of those things where i'm like i think that part of the reason i was so into this when i was younger was because the music was still relatively new to me and it was so exciting to like watch it be performed in this way and also i think i had a much different picture of what romance was yeah <laughs> because yeah. Because I definitely remember feeling, like, Johnny and June Cash have such, like, ha- their love story has been seen as so iconic. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, it's it's American mythology at this point. like
0: Right. And I think, yeah, I don't know. When I when I watched it, I'm just like, look, I'm not going to say, like, I'm not saying that they didn't love each other or that, like, like I'm not saying that. But I, this is not exactly what I want to, like, style my... <laughs> Right. My understanding of romance out. Yeah,
1: no, I think I think it's fair to say the movie took some shortcuts that did not do it any favors.
0: And I, I just, I couldn't help, I just kept going back to, like, this poor fucking woman who is just, like, taking care of this disastrous fucking man who is treating her like garbage, who is, yeah. like, you know, like, I mean, loving someone, you know, loving someone who is an addict is a hard thing. Like, that is, mm-hmm. that is a hard thing. And I imagine it may have been even harder in like the fucking fifties when we knew so much less (laughs) about addiction than we know now. And like, she is just consistently like coming in when he needs her most. And I look at that and I'm like, okay, like when I, I remember reading Johnny talking about that. And like that, that is kind of how he saw her as like this aim figure who like would come in and like, save him from the worst of himself. And I'm like, look, I get why that was appealing to you. I'm yeah. concerned as to why that was appealing to her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's fair to say that it, it's not clear in the movie what she was getting out of it exactly. Right. Th- there was one thing that I thought was interesting in their dynamic, which kind of disappeared as the movie went on, but initially at least in When They Met and stuff, was the fact that he was like an adoring fan of her work. Like a genuine, he just like genuinely loved her stuff and had since he was a kid, which is not a normal dynamic to see play out in like a meet cute, where the man is the one who's like, oh my god, I've loved you since I was five years old, you're so amazing. Like, that's not something that you see very often, and I did think that was really interesting.
0: That's true. That's true. I mean, there is that, there's that moment, because a thing that I was, the scene that I cannot quit thinking of is the scene of him proposing to her on the bus, because Mm -hmm. it was so good, and where she was at felt so clear in a way that it did not in a lot of the rest of the movie. I felt like it was the time that she was able to really like articulate what was happening for her. And like when he's, when he said like when he says that shit about her being afraid to live in his shadow, which was an absolutely terrible thing to say. But then I think to my, like the thing I kept thinking was like, she did though. Like that's, that's what happened.
1: She ended up People don't a talk about
0: like June Cash by yeah. herself, like June Cash is part of Johnny and June Cash, and maybe she was fine with that. I don't know. Well, yeah, but, I like, mean, it's hard
1: to know. I, don't, you know, would we remember her at all if she hadn't ended up married to Johnny Cash? I don't know. There, yeah, there is no, there's no way to know, obviously.
0: But yeah, it's just it's interesting to see how this man like took over her life in so many ways that she, you know, presumably was okay with question mark. But it's. I don't know. I, I had a lot of mixed feelings about yeah. it. <laughs> Watching it now, that said, it, it does look beautiful, and it... yeah, I mean, is
1: James Mangold? He's a good director. He, he, you know, he knows how to he knows how to use a camera. He's uh, he makes very good looking movies. He wrote it too, which he's usually he co-wrote it at least. Incidentally, I was, did you look at the writing credits for this movie?
0: I did. Uh, well, yes, because I, I put them in my list. Uh, Gil so, Dennis and James Yeah, James
1: Mangold. Mangold and Gil Dennis. Did you look up Gil Dennis?
0: I did not look up Gil Dennis. So
1: Gil Dennis has, according to Letterboxd, he has five writing credits. Three of them are things I've never heard of. One of them is this one. The other one is one of your favorite movies, Return to Oz.
0: So it is!
1: Weird... Crossover there. I was not expecting to see that on the list. I don't know, don't know how that happened. But... He also
0: wrote "Without Evidence," which I saw because it was an Angelina Jolie movie. It wasn't good.
1: I do, I do like. I mean, James Mangold is he did he did Logan, which is probably my favorite superhero movie. He did Three Ten to Yuma, which is a really solid western. He did Copland, which was a really good cop movie. He's he knows how to he knows how to use a camera. He's a good director. Uh, so it it all looks great. I mean the the and the concert footage in particular just yeah. all looks yes. fantastic and sounds fantastic. It's all really well shot, and that goes that that really does go a long way. But
0: was the sound mix weird for you? I know you had it on DVD. I I was I kept having to turn it up and down because the the vocals seemed really quiet, and I didn't know if that was the Amazon copy or. Yeah, I wasn't having
1: but, that problem. I don't know.
0: Interesting. Have you ever watched the extended version? I didn't realize it was an extended version. No, until, I didn't know um,
1: that either. Did you watch it?
0: No, I, I because I figured you wouldn't be watching okay. it. But, uh,
1: yeah, I don't know about that.
0: I, yeah, I don't know if it's like extended by two minutes, or... I'm going to look right. it up right now. I'm going to find out. That's exciting. It runs 18 minutes longer.
1: Jesus. Is it mostly more concert footage? Because I'm sure they <laughs> shot a lot they didn't use.
0: Uh, there's a few deleted scenes... The best one is a comic bit involving Johnny's visit to a radio station to promote his first son single. When the record accidentally breaks, he panics, imagining it's the only copy in existence.
1: <laughs> and the DJ
0: there, was, <laughs> the DJ was played by uh, his son, John Carter. John oh, Carter okay. That's cool. There's a there's apparently there's a lot of shots that run like a few seconds longer or whatever. Right. Or, but for the most part, it's it's these three scenes. Anyway, I guess that exists in the world. I think what you were saying about. It, like her perspective like that that is what I kind of kept coming back to Johnny Cash is like the figure that looms largest in this story obviously as he sort of looms across American mythology in general but like that doesn't mean he's the most interesting part of the story yeah and you know sometimes or I honestly I would have been curious like even if this movie had been made by a woman, instead of a man like how would that have how would that have played differently i don't know i mean he was involved in the making of this movie
1: well he died before it came out so he
0: he died before it came out but i I think he was involved in the initial steps
1: yeah i think he died the year before it came out so he was yeah they probably i mean i'm sure he was involved in negotiating the rights to the the autobiographies and stuff at least
0: Right. So, I mean, to some extent, it is him telling his story or trying to do so. Um, and there are times where it's like, it's not that I don't care about your story exactly, but like.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I think it, one, it was definitely missing her perspective in that, like I said, we don't I don't really have a sense of what she was seeing in him beyond like a sad person who needed help, which he was. And, you know, it's not. It's an honorable thing to see that, but that's not, like, a romantic connection, so I, I don't quite get right. what she was, what that draw for her was.
0: Well, and like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm honestly, the thing that I came out of this with is, one of the things I came out of this with is that I am curious to try to find out if June had some authorized biographies of her own. I'd like to hear, Yeah. I'd like to hear her her thoughts.
1: Yeah, I wonder if there's been, like, a good book written about the Carter family in general, because it's, it's kind yeah, of, maybe. I mean, that's a big story. It has to be a big story. There's a bunch of them in the <laughs> They were doing music for decades, so. It's
0: true. It's true. Well, and I think that, you know, I mean, we all we all tell ourselves our own story. It's not that I think June would say anything that, you know, shitty about Johnny or whatever. Obviously, she loved him. But, like, I, I suspect it would be enlightening yeah. to, to even see the story she's telling herself or she mm-hmm. told herself. Um, and I, I would like that, and maybe I will try to find it and see if that. I think she did write. It would shock me if she didn't write at least one autobiography. That would seem a
1: little weird. Yeah, she was clearly very prolific. So yes, <laughs>
0: yeah. I did appreciate that the movie specifically uh, that he specifically called out on stage that she was the one who wrote.
1: Right, Ring of Fire. Yeah, and we also see her writing it. Like they, they were very. Yeah, and we see her writing it. Yeah, I, I that stood out to me as well. That was.
0: So I feel like they were trying and i feel like mm-hmm. in some extent to some in, to some degree there is just this element of that it's been 15 years and the way not just the way that i personally view stories has changed dramatically in the past 15 years but the way that we culturally view stories has changed <laughs> sadly dramatically and that that really has an impact on how the movie plays now that said one of the things we have not mentioned yet in our in this our podcast about watching these in small group is why why did we watch this what was what was interesting about this movie Well,
1: I mean, Johnny Cash is still is, I think it certainly was at the time, sort of one of the, the favorite characters of the kind of the Christians who still wanted to be like interesting and engaged with the culture because he was he was sort of a great prototype of that because he was this legendary musician that I mean, there is no dispute about his place in musical history. No. But he was also very outspokenly religious, and he also had this, you know, very complicated backstory where he was an addict and all that, and he had relapses and everything, so he had, like, grit to his story, like, real genuine grit to it that a lot of Christian narratives are sadly lacking. So he uh, he was a very appealing figure to a lot of the people that were kind of in the same place that we were in at the time.
0: Right and I think what you cannot leave out is that he was also extremely socially active. Like he he really cared about quote unquote liberal <laughs> causes and he and like for all of his flaws which were many, it's very clear that he was really trying to make a difference.
1: See this is right. I was going to I was going to get into this. Like I don't know you know, there, there. I'm um, obviously there are things about Johnny Cash that I don't know, and maybe you know someone could enlighten me with some depressing facts about him that I'm not aware of. But as far as I'm, <laughs> as far as I have seen and know from his work and from his autobiographies and just what I've read about him, it seems like he was a very like he was a person genuinely interested. Certainly in his in his later life, but I think to a large degree in his younger life too, he was a person who was generally interested in. In doing the right thing and in treating people like people, and which is not, you know, you you don't always see that. So, uh, you know, he had his whole man in black persona thing that Mm -hmm. that was, I mean, that wasn't how it started. He, I think he kind of took that on later, but the movie didn't get into that at all, which I actually thought was, I guess, I guess that was probably all it did a little. Well, a little bit with the the Folsom show and stuff, but I I think most of that was kind of later in his life than what the movie covered. Yeah. um, I mean,
0: "Man in Black" is one of my favorite songs. My favorite yeah, songs.
1: and he—that's and, you know, like he continued. You know, he continued to do really good work up until yep. he died. And dude, you know, his
0: his version of Nine Inch Nails hurt is fucking great.
1: Yeah, I mean, at <laughs> this point, that his version is basically canon at this point. Like, right? It's it's like what's his name's version of Hallelujah. Like, yes, <laughs> That's the, the one that everyone thinks of. I, I think having someone who was. I think it was a big deal to a lot of Christians to have someone who ha- had that kind of like monumental cultural status that they could be like, nope, he's one of ours. Like, <laughs> you know, the, cause there aren't a lot of those.
0: That's true. And I, I often, like a thing that I was thinking about while watching this is that in terms of us watching it, like to some extent he served as some kind of bridge. Like mm-hmm. this is a guy who is, I mean, older than our parents, but you know, from, these generations before us who st- who believed in God, who considered himself a Christian and who like really was fighting for things that our parents were against. I think to me it felt like this is someone that you could hold up and be like, look, you cannot like claim that Johnny Cash wasn't a Christian, which I'm sure people have, but, uh, but like, yeah. and like, this was what he, he passionately cared about these things he was fighting, you know, he had a lot of feelings about Vietnam and about, like, <laughs> a lot of these things. And to me, I think that that it felt like a, a figure that I could, like, hold up right? To dad specifically and be like, because, like, you know, dad. So our father <laughs> is not a cowboy by any stretch of the imagination, but he did grow up in Montana. He does wear cowboy boots. He has, like, I don't know, he has a look. To him.
1: He's, he's he's not an outdoorsman at all though, he doesn't have any of no, that.
0: That's true. <laughs> yeah. None of that. But he but he has like a certain vibe and he and he is a Montana boy at heart. Right. And I I, I felt like even though Dad did not like Johnny Cash's music, neither of our parents like country music at all. Mom yeah. was completely disgusted when I started listening to Johnny Cash. And I think actually part of why Dad doesn't like country music is because <laughs> <laughs> is because he so he had to listen to it all the time growing up, and he didn't well, see, like it. Honestly, I, I
1: to me it's kind of weird to me because like you know Johnny Cash. Usually, I mean, he usually gets lumped in with country, and obviously there's a lot of that there. But particularly the stuff in this movie was it was as much like rockabilly. It was like Elvis Presley. I mean, it it was as much rock and roll as it was country. And I always, I I was very surprised to realize that when I started hearing a bunch of his stuff.
0: I think that's a good point. And I feel like my dim memory is that Dad enjoyed watching Walk the Line and enjoyed the music well. Yeah, I'm,
1: yeah, I think Dad probably liked Walk the Line. <laughs> I don't remember for sure, but that's
0: No, like, I I'm pretty positive here. Yeah. Well,
1: there's the father-son aspect which
0: Oh, nothing nothing gets our father quicker than some father-son. Right. Uh, a
1: shitty father <laughs> who yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah, I mean he I like I think Dad liked it, but I also think that when I, when I look at it, it's like, this is, this is a figure. Okay. So this is, this, these are specific memories that I hold of dad that I think about a lot. And I know I've told you about them before, but now I'm going to tell anyone who happens to listen to this. Our father growing up in Montana with a dad who left when he was 11. I think 11. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with us living with a single mom, three other brothers, et cetera. But as someone who, <laughs> let's be clear, fucking loves montana would have moved back there in a heartbeat i think if he could figure mm-hmm. out a way to make it work and one of the few things i thank my mother for in retrospect is that she basically said over her dead body loves montana but is not like doesn't feel like he embodies the like masculine male trope of being from this area of the men that he grew up with of i think a lot of the men that he admired growing up he talks of i mean like some of the men who helped sort of raise him or supported him when he was growing up, I think at least one of them was a truck driver.
1: I believe so, yeah.
0: But, uh, you know, he didn't didn't hunt. He didn't fish. He didn't... He likes cars, but is, like, chronically incapable of working on them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, He didn't have all of these, like, masculine traits. And I really distinctly remember my and my dad having a conversation with me once where he was talking and I don't remember what brought this up, but he was talking about that fucking book Wild at Heart, which is a terrible Christian book for men, in case anyone doesn't know. And um was talking about that and was also and also mentioned how Dobson would talk about like the difference between men and women and how men had like this adventurous spirit and all of that stuff. And I remember him saying to me in this like weirdly wistful tone that like he has never identified with that. Mm-hmm. and instead he kind of thought he was more of a hobbit
1: yeah that's that's his uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> because he would like he would go on an adventure if pushed out the door but he'd be pretty mad about it
1: right he'd he prefer to stay home and be comfortable and you know eat the food he likes and
0: um and i i think that when i when i look at someone like johnny cash who i think embodies for better and worse <laughs> <to> be clear, <laughs> so many of these like masculine traits um, I think that it's an interesting dynamic or felt interesting to me when I was younger to like hold that up to dad and be like, you know, this is this very masculine man who you don't identify with, but you want to. Either way, certainly mom and dad, and I don't remember talking about Mom to mom about Johnny Cash much aside from her dis- disdain for his music, but um, mm-hmm. certainly dad, I think, considered Johnny Cash a Christian, considered him a redemption story of the sort that dad likes. Yeah. And I suspect... Considers him to have just been sadly wrong about things like Vietnam because, yes, our parents still think that Vietnam was a good idea. Yep. My mother once told me that one of her greatest life regrets was going to a Vietnam War protest, and I was like, I feel like you should have some higher life regrets. I have a few ideas.
1: Yeah, her life has not been that good.
0: Like, to me, I see it from my perspective as, like, holding forth this character and, like, this is a way that we can talk about this. Also, it's a little safer because the things that he was super liberal about, um, a lot of them were a while ago, even though he still continued to do work. But, like, Mm -hmm. to be like, okay, but, like, this person is really compelling to me because he really cares about people and he's really trying to do the right thing. And the right thing that he's doing doesn't look like what we were taught the right thing was. Mm -hmm. But, you know. I also don't, I mean, having read the biographies, I remember specifically a few places where I was like, mom and dad would not consider that to be a Christian yeah. <laughs> perspective.
1: <laughs> Even yeah. just, just in the movie, there was that one that one line where he was talking to his uh, the record execs and they're trying to tell him that he can't go do the live album at Folsom because no one wants it. And he's basically telling him, fuck you, I'm going to do it anyway. And one of them said something about how, you know, most of your fans are, like, good Christian people. They don't want to hear you singing to a bunch of criminals and trying to cheer them up. But he's just like, well, they're not Christians then.
0: (laughs) That is the line from the movie that I remember. Yeah, no, I
1: remember that line as well. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that definitely really struck me at the time, yeah.
0: Yeah, it felt really impactful. Like, yes, absolutely. Like, this is not, I don't know. I mean, overall, like it's certainly like there are worse ways to spend two hours of your life <laughs> mm-hmm. for sure, including several of the movies that we have talked about so far in this. Yeah, uh- <laughs> uh, for
1: sure. Yeah, this is better than most of the movies we've watched so far. I I still really like it overall. I mean, there are definitely things that I can pick apart, but for me, the the quality of the performances and the music carries it such a long way for me that uh, you know I, I I'm I'm keeping my copy for now at least. I this is one of the things that I do when I. If I go through and rewatch an older movie that I own, I will sometimes just decide to get rid of it, but I'm I'm keeping this one.
0: I mean, that's fair. I just feel like I could just listen to the music. I <laughs> like...
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, the I you know, the soundtrack is great. There's no no denying there's all sorts of great stuff on there. I mean, I gave it 3.5. A couple couple random things that struck me that I I didn't manage to work in in the main part of the conversation here that I wanted to bring up. One of them that was kind of a weird like almost goofy thing so at, in this at the start of the movie the movie starts with him well not the very start but the there's like that the what do you, the bookend structure thing where it's the the whole movie's technically a flashback but uh the, it starts with him as like a 6 year old maybe and his brother has the accident and dies and all that and we see his mother in these scenes and she's you know she she looks really young she's like maybe like in her late 20s and then there's a few scenes of him like at that age and then it cuts to a scene of him leaving to go joined the Air Force. So he's probably at least eighteen at this point. I mean, at this point it's Joaquin Phoenix playing him, so he's you know, he looks older than that, but like at least ten years have gone by. And there's a scene of him saying goodbye to his mother, who they made the odd choice to like not age her up at all. So she looks like the same age as him. I had this I realized watching it that my memory of it, I remember being confused by that scene when I first watched it because I was like who is this sister that he's saying goodbye to? He didn't have a sister in the earlier scenes. And I realized this time that, oh, that's his mother. She just looks exactly the same in spite of the fact that she's been living ten years of this insanely hard life under this ridiculous alcoholic <laughs> husband, slaving away, picking co- literally picking cotton. <laughs> she somehow still looks 25. It was a weird choice. I don't understand why they did that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh it did anyway. not
0: stand out to me but uh, okay no, well no.
1: anyway that's you know it's a minor thing it was like a it sure. was literally like a 10 second just her saying goodbye to him and we never see her again but
0: i mean we see her again we just don't see her again at that age
1: oh right that's right yeah that's right his parents are around after that yeah no you're bad
0: right. point they've made her hair vaguely gray and she's wearing glasses
1: see i didn't i didn't even notice her in any of those scenes was it the same
0: actress in the later scenes I'm honestly not sure I think so yeah sure. I, don't, I don't I
1: don't even remember if she had a line in the later scene Robert Patrick his father certainly does he's you know he has definitely has a part to play in the second half of the movie but
0: that was another thing that I felt I had complicated feelings about because I mean there there is that thing where like abusive parents sometimes you know especially sometimes when it's facilitated by alcohol or whatever um, will become like good grandparents and like the scene at the very end of like the the granddaughter's like trying to get him to talk through a tin right. can and john like encouraging him to tell a story to them it's a very sweet scene right at the same time i had some sort of mixed feel like i felt like there was there was no like there was no bridge to that scene like he yeah. was a horrifically abusive man including after he stopped drinking. right see and that's it-
1: the thing he was still a shitty father even once he was sober and you know so we see him in that scene sort of trying to to be, like, a worthwhile grandfather. I guess it doesn't show for sure that he accomplished that, but... Yeah, so the other scene that I wanted to call out was one that I really liked that was another... It kind of goes along with what I said earlier about the, the dynamic between Johnny and June and how it was kind of an unusual dynamic that I liked. The, the scene where they go fishing together. Oh, yeah. And he doesn't know how to use a rod and reel because he's literally only ever used, like, a sapling to fish. And he has to ask her to show him how to do it. Which is, it, it's the reverse of how that scene usually goes, right? That's true. Like, usually, you know, even if she's, like, he has, usually the man <laughs> has to teach her how to do it. That's, like, that's an almost cliche kind of scene. And I thought, that was one scene with the two of them that I really liked, because he was, like, you know, he was clearly a little embarrassed about not knowing how to do it, but he was willing to ask for help, and, like...
0: Well, yeah, he he was he was vulnerable. Yeah, like, exactly. He was, he was vulnerable. Yeah. Like, and she responded in such a way that you, like, understood... Right I mean, She didn't
1: tease him about it all. She just came over and helped him with it. and it was I don't yeah, I really like that scene, and I wish there had been more like that because I feel like that would have made the ending land better for me.
0: I think that's a really good point that that was a really good scene. and um, it did it did like sort of provide an additional like element to their dynamic that right. you see another
1: sweet. point of connection for them besides the music, and
0: yeah, they have they have similar things they enjoy in life. They have similar things that they. No, I think that's a, I think that's a good point. Well, I think that's about all I've got to say about what honestly is a good movie. I just don't. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, that's it, it is it is a good movie. It's a good solid movie.
0: <laughs> Especially considering that it is a biopic and again, I know yeah. not everyone feels this way, but dear god. Right. Is there like an overall generally worse genre? <laughs> Particularly musical biopic. I mean, uh, as in yeah,
1: I would say this is I mean, I certainly haven't seen all of them, but off the top of my head, this is probably the best example of the genre.
0: I think that I think that the two that I've seen, I don't think they quite qualify. The two that I really liked um, are ones that take place like sort of outside of, like our small story outside of. So the Nowhere Boy. About was that about Lennon? Yeah, I did like
1: Nowhere Boy, but yeah, that's that's not quite the same thing. Yeah, that's
0: like before he becomes John Lennon. I just thought mm-hmm. it was a really good movie, and also um, that one Love and Mercy. Yeah, with yeah, Brian
1: Wilson. Yeah, uh, that that was also a really good movie. That that maybe is a little bit more in this category, but that it didn't have the it didn't have the standard structure at all. I mean, right. it was a, it was a completely different.
0: I guess it, like straight out of Compton would be one and I, I did like straight out of Compton.
1: Yeah, I like straight out of Compton.
0: So I mean th- that might be another one. There are exceptions is the point, but like overall. Yeah. Shall we choose what we're gonna watch next week and then Oh yeah. Talk about whatever we've been watching recently?
1: When I Google random number generator and it gives you like the options. The first option that apparently people have Googled is random number generator one to three. Who needs a random <laughs> number generator to pick a number from <laughs> one to three? I
0: don't know. Uh, okay.
1: <laughs> Between one and a hundred, uh, I got twenty.
0: Twenty. <laughs> oh gosh. Um,
1: oh, that's promising.
0: That is collapse.
1: Oh Jesus, is that even available? Can you, is that like? Does that does that movie even really exist, or did we imagine it? I don't know. <laughs> How did we even find that movie? Because I've literally never heard of that movie anywhere else.
0: I don't know. Um, Yeah, it's available to rent for two bucks on Amazon. Oh, all right then. (laughs) Okay. Well, what a fun time to watch a movie with a man explaining how the world's going to collapse. Yeah. Do you do you want to do that or do you want to? Try I mean, else? Where, where did you say it was available?
1: Amazon. Honestly, I'm kind of fascinated to watch it now because he was. My memory, at least, was that this guy was saying like, all of this is within the next five years. This is all going to happen.
0: It, it's only 80 minutes. I mean, it's yeah. Short. I'm fine with watching it. I'm also kind of curious, like how much what he says feels like it, it plays out. I mean, this came out in 2009, so a decade later. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, which is probably everyone, collapse. Right. Literally everyone. <laughs> yeah. Is a documentary um, featuring this guy named Michael Rupert, who apparently was a former L.A. police officer. Did not remember that. um, I remember he was law
1: enforcement of some kind.
0: And he basically just talks for 80 minutes about, he, like, talks about his career and what he's seen in his life and stuff. But also, like, basically by the end of the movie is, like, we are fucked. Like, this is all ramping up really fast and we are really... Right.
1: one of the big things i remember was he was he was saying that like big part a big part of his thing as i recall was that he was he, he was saying that the world's supply of fossil fuels was like on the verge of running out and no one was saying this publicly because they were afraid it would cause a panic but he was saying that it's like within the next 10 years we're not going to be able to make plastic anymore which obviously has not happened
0: but no i mean yeah let, yeah let's do it let's let's see how it lands now. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. <laughs> okay, uh, well, I guess next then is what we have been watching. Do you want me to start or do you want to start? Yeah,
1: why don't you go ahead and start this time? Okay. I think we probably have at least a few crossover things.
0: That's very possible. I know we
1: have at least one, so. I guess I don't know for sure what you're going to talk about, but I know there's at least one thing we both watched.
0: So. so one thing that I watched about a week ago that I kept meaning to get to and had just kept not doing it was The Great on Hulu, and it was fucking fantastic.
1: Did you watch the whole thing? I did. Okay, so I've only watched the first episode so far and I really liked it. So I plan on keep watching it. So don't, you know, no spoilers, but I did really
0: like it. It's 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 so good. It only gets better as the show progresses. I think it's just it's it's so much it's so much fun in a story that doesn't seem like it should be fun. Yeah. Um it's it's really a delight. Uh, L Fanning is luminous and fucking fantastic and um, what's his face I'm blanking on his name Nicholas Holt um, is also just a
1: yeah, really
0: a... interesting character.
1: yeah he's, he's this this niche that he's found himself in lately <laughs> is really working for him. It is <laughs> And yeah no he's great at it you know so the, had...
0: the ship covers um, Catherine the Great's um, initial arrival to Russia and plotting towards getting rid of her husband to take over the throne and of course we all know historically speaking and if you don't spoilers for history i don't know that you know catherine the great ended up being one of the longest rulers of russia and was generally considered to be very a very good ruler well,
1: you know if you don't know go watch that hbo miniseries from from earlier this year or whatever yes. it was it's a, it's a little weird that both of these came out so close together but
0: apparently she's having a moment i will say i think this is much better than the hbo series which... yeah i ended up
1: i ended up pretty mixed on that one
0: yeah, like for me, the thing that I mostly came out of the HBO series with was what a fucking delight it was to watch Helen Mirren like having sex with these like twenty-five-year-old yeah. dudes. <laughs> like that was just fantastic in every way. But this is—it's—it's it's so good. Like honestly, it's—it's it's ten episodes, ten hours or whatever, and just fully worth your time. So well,
1: it's the—I uh, don't know if you—if you put this together, but the guy who created it—he's a—I think—I think mostly a playwright. And it's based on a play of his, but he was also the guy who wrote The Favourite. Yes. And he won an Oscar for that, which is probably why he was able to make this. And there's a lot of, there's clearly a lot of the same DNA in it. I mean, it doesn't have, you know, it doesn't have the, the like, the same, quite. it doesn't have quite the same, like, artistic insanity that, uh, uh what's his name? Oh, he's, God damn it, what is his name? I'm blanking on his name. Lanthimos? Yeah, yeah Yorgos Lanthimos, yeah. It doesn't have his touch to it, so it's, you know, it's not the favorite, but there's a lot of the same DNA, so if you like the favorite, you'll probably be.
0: Yes, and I think also it's important to note that it's it's a much, in spite of the fact that many people are murdered... that generally it is like there are definitely some violent scenes and stuff it is overall like a much more lighthearted thing than the favorite uh which is part of what makes it interesting i think like there are sad parts in it and stuff but the favorite is just like such like a psychosexual insane mess um that i loved but don't get me wrong but the favorite uh, and, was
1: also pretty fucking hilarious though. it I was mean...
0: but i felt like the highs and lows as far as tone were different
1: yeah
0: i don't know that was just my take. That's probably
1: that's probably true. Yeah, I haven't seen the favorite since the theater, so it's been a while.
0: I also spent a day watching all the way through the new Babysitters Club on Netflix, which was also fucking fantastic.
1: I've heard good things about that. Yeah,
0: I did not have the experience of watching the baby or of reading the Babysitters Club much as a kid because mom didn't want me to, so I don't have the nostalgia connection to it but i think that the show is really genuinely as someone who watches things about teenagers just all of the time it is one of the few shows i have ever seen that while watching it i was like oh no this this really feels like it is about kids this age um in terms of like the problems that they are struggling with sometimes they fuck up and are like genuinely mean to each other because they like haven't figured out you know, boundaries or how to control themselves or all those things. And like the, the battles that they fight feel like, like feel appropriate for their age. It doesn't feel like some like, you know, impossible thing. And I think the kids, the kids are good. The The performances are occasionally a bit, I, I thought there were moments where I was like, mm. <laughs> but honestly, like the overall arc of the story and stuff, it's so sweet. It, it's so good. I, it was exactly what I needed. So I highly recommend that. Okay, well, <laughs> This may be what Joel was talking about in terms of us having overlap. So I watched The Old Guard. Yep, that was the one. Joel, and Joel did not like it. Well,
1: so uh, hold on. Let's let's be clear here. I, I gave it three out of five. I thought it was okay. If they make another one, I will probably watch it.
0: Okay, I gave it four out, but... out of five with potential to become 4.5 if I rewatched yeah. it. I fucking loved it. I love Gina and <laughs> Prince Pinewood. I have loved basically all of her movies except for her adaptation of The Secret Life of Bees, which was kind of shitty, but I adore her. And I definitely just had so much fun with this movie. There were moments where I felt like it, it I mean, it ran a little long. It's two hours and, and I guess it's two hours. But And there were a few moments where I was like, the fighting is cool, but maybe I'm not in the mood <laughs> Or something, but I had so much fun. I felt like you could just tell how much fun like Charlize Theron was having making it. I mean, yeah,
1: I am. I am all for her like definitive turn into action stardom because she's she totally owns it. She's great at it. She's amazing. That is not an issue for me. Certainly, I, I. Yeah, I was really into her.
0: I don't know. I had a really good time with it. I liked it a lot. I thought it was way better than it had a right to be. Frankly, considering what the story was. I just I really liked it. And the whole and like whatever. I am queer child who cried like a fucking baby when the guy gave his passionate speech about his, his lover.
1: Yeah, I, I It was good. My eyes my eyes rolled out of my head in that It but, was uh, fucking
0: good. Fuck I you. mean it was
1: it was a well written little thing, but putting it in that context was insane. No person would ever say that there.
0: I'm not sure that that's true. I think if you like
1: yeah.
0: once you like I wouldn't say that there but I'm afraid of dying. Like they're not afraid of dying because they don't.
1: I, I still I don't buy it. But
0: It landed for me. I fucking loved it. I thought it was really fun in general as a movie, whatever. I liked it a lot.
1: <laughs> I see so the only Gina Prince-Bythewood movie that I've seen I think is Beyond the Lights. Which, which,
0: I, which is one of my favorite romance movies of all time. I, yeah,
1: no, I, I loved that movie. I was really into that movie. So I was excited for this one, and I'm really glad that she got to direct it. It's a big deal. It is. And hopefully she'll get to direct the next one if they make another one. I just wish that the screenplay had gotten a couple more passes, because it just felt like a stack of cliches to me.
0: You should you should watch Love in Basketball.
1: I, yeah, no, I would like to. It's, it's kind of been one of those movies that's been on my list of I would like to watch this for a long time. It just hasn't. I mean, problem. it's one
0: of those movies that, like, when you watch it now, there are problems with it that probably didn't feel like problems in mm-hmm. the 90s when she was making well, it. Well, sure. I
1: mean, the the man in Beyond the Lights is a cop. Right. So that probably, <laughs> probably sure, plays true. a little differently now. But, yeah. Uh,
0: but she, she really, she has, a, she has a knack for romance that I, like, I am not a big romance person. But I, I fucking, I really like Love and Basketball and I fucking love Beyond the Lights. Um, I also liked Cloak and Dagger, which her and her husband made. Oh, that was her? It was. It was, her, it was her and her husband who were the show. I think members. I
1: watched two episodes of that and then fell off, but...
0: I don't know. I wasn't as into the second season, and then it got canceled, but I, I thought there was some interesting stuff that she tried to do in it. or that they I just tried. haven't... I
1: have not gotten on board with any of the, like, superhero TV shows so far.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's other things I've been watching, but why don't you... We may have more of that. <laughs>
1: uh, so, one thing that I watched that I loved was Palm Springs... Have you watched oh, that?
0: I did, watch, I did, yes, I did, did watch it. Did you
1: like that one? Because I loved it. I liked I it. I thought it was so good. I mean, I these days I am, at this point, just a huge fan of Andy Samberg.
0: Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Love Brooklyn
1: Nine-Nine. <laughs> I think Popstar is one of the funniest movies of the last several years. So I'm sort of automatically curious in anything that he does at this point. I think he makes really interesting choices. Kristen Mili- Milioti, who I was not familiar with at all, but she was fantastic she was just absolutely great in this role. J.K. Simmons is in it, who's always great. I don't want to say too much about it, just in case anyone ever actually does listen to this, because I knew the, I knew the basic premise going in, and I actually kind of wished I hadn't.
0: Yeah, no, I think, I think that's, a, that's a good point. It's an interesting... I'm now looking to see if I've seen Kristen Milioti or anything. I think I did watch The Brass Teapot. That was not good.
1: Apparently she was in The Wolf of Wall Street, which I did see, and Sleepwalk With Me, which I saw, but uh, I, uh, it's been a long time, and I assume, particularly in Wolf of Wall Street, I assume she was probably a very small
0: role. Probably, yeah. She was in a season of Fargo, it looks like. Oh, which season? I don't know. <laughs> 2015. She played Betsy Sulverson.
1: Huh. That probably would have been season one. I mean, I love that show, but I it's it would have been since 2015 that I watched it, so. And she was probably a smaller role in that, too. And- anyway,
0: I mean, yeah, I, I thought it was good. I I enjoyed it. Um, I didn't love it, but I I, mean, I actually specifically, I was talking to Nick while I was watching it, and I was like, I mean, it, it's no pop star. Like, I, I do love pop stars. <laughs> which is definitely a movie that like, you convinced me to watch because I was like, mm, I don't Yeah,
1: know. it was one of those that is not like an inherent... That, that movie is not something that I would be inherently interested in, but at that point I was already a Brooklyn Nine-Nine fan, so I was already on board with him, and then I heard a bunch of really good things about it. And then I watched it, and the song Finest Girl has changed my entire life. I've never been the same since that scene. Probably the funniest thing I've ever seen in any movie. So... <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I I had never seen Brooklyn Nine Nine. In fact, I believe I started watching Brooklyn Nine Nine because I liked Pop Star at the time. So, so yeah, I watched it. I liked. it. I thought it was good. I thought they did a lot more with the premise than it seemed like they would have. So, yeah, no, it's it's worth watching. I mean, it's like what like a hundred minutes on Hulu. So,
1: yeah, it's on it's on Hulu for free if you've got Hulu. So, go ahead and give it a <laughs> shot. Yeah, Tina and I have been continuing our our working through the Marvel movies. So we last night we did Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 which I was actually uh, I was kind of surprised because I hadn't seen it since the theater but so when the first Guardians came out I was a huge fan of it it was one of my favorites of the Marvel movies and when the second one came out I was kind of underwhelmed I wasn't really that into it but having rewatched them now my 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 opinion has definitely flipped I think the first one is real thin leans real heavy on Chris Pratt's sort of brand of humor, which I do not care for anymore. (laughs) I really liked it at the time, which is probably why the movie worked so well for me then. I was a big fan of his for a while, but it has definitely worn out. Whereas Volume 2 doesn't rely on him nearly as much. It's much more of an ensemble. You got a lot more Drax, who, honestly, Drax might be my favorite Marvel character. I just think he's so funny i love that character and kurt russell is i was like kurt russell so yeah i like i like that one a lot more re-watching it
0: i watched that one right before the first infinity war right before it came out because it was the only one that i hadn't seen because i hated the first one <laughs> so i hadn't gotten to see the second one um and I, I, obviously i'm glad i watched the second one before i went to go see infinity war because they did actually tie in together Gosh, it just, I just did not like it. I liked it better than the first one, but that was a real low fucking bar. I have a real issue, and I, and I know we've talked about this before, but I'm going to do it again. I have a real issue with, and, and honestly, it was made worse because I watched these two movies like back to back, where in. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Chris Pratt is having all of his fucking daddy issues with his actual father and then also with this man who raised him in this horrifically abusive fashion. And then in the end, the man who raised him in very abusive fashion gets some sort of, like, beloved send-off and is just like, I loved you the whole time I was kicking the shit out of you.
1: Yeah, I I agree. (laughs) Yondu's redemption was a bit... uh, That was a bit of a bridge too far for me as well. Um, Yeah, it was a rough...
0: It was gross! And then... It was followed, again, by me going to see Infinity War the next day. It was followed by me watching what I found to be a truly, like, morally repugnant <laughs> viewing of um, what's-her-face. And I'm not going to be able to remember the names of these characters because I am bad at that. Um, the blue one.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Nebula.
0: Nebula and Gamora. Yeah. That, like, Gamora, the whole way that that, again... Extremely abusive and honestly extremely abusive in a way that I found got under my skin a lot more because it was you know I mean he was physically abusive but also he was like largely like extremely mentally and emotionally abusive and the entire way that that relationship is treated like I like Infinity War overall and I like the fact obviously that What's His Face is a much more compelling villain than like anything you know what, Thanos, they had done. Right? Yeah, Thanos. Yeah, he is a much more compelling villain than like anything they had done previously. But the way that that storyline played out just made me feel like Marvel has a bit of a problem figuring out what to do with abusive parents, um, and they really want to wrap a bow on shit, and that really, really upset me. And so like, like I I went into it upset about watching that in the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and then that happened, and I was so angry
1: yeah it's particularly annoying because i like i i think Yondu is actually kind of a i actually kind of like his character but not like in a oh he's a person that I would like to actually be around because he's a good person deep down kind of way right and also i mean I'm pretty sure that yondu's arrow the weapon that he uses that he controls by whistling is the co- the single coolest thing in the marvel universe <laughs> it's okay. it's just fantastic and there's a really great scene in the second one where he's i don't know if you you probably don't remember. I didn't really remember it, but he's walking through a ship full of people and, uh, you know, one of the the great songs from the soundtrack is playing and he's, he's just... You see, like the tracer of the arrow going everywhere, all around him, hitting people, and it's just a really great scene. But yeah, I agree with you that uh, they, if they, if they were going to go that way with him, they did not set it up correctly in the first movie.
0: No, it was it was completely unearned, and it was very clear. Like it felt like it felt like excusing and hand waving this very abusive behavior in a way that I just found like I was like, no, I'm not fucking sorry. He's dying. What is?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah. What else have I? I've been doing. I you know, keeping up with my HBO stuff, are you watching Perry Mason? I am. What do you think so far? I mean i'm I'm an episode behind, so I don't know where you're at with it, but
0: i'm I, I'm caught up. I, I think it's pretty fat. I mean, it looks fucking incredible. The visuals are all amazing. I think they've done some really interesting things. I'm the first episode I wasn't so sure, and then I think it's the second episode that Sister Whats her Face shows up.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, no, that's uh Maslany. <laughs> Maslani. I don't know if you were familiar with her at all. I knew her from the show Orphan Black.
0: right. I never watched that.
1: Which is a bit of a mess of a show, and I never finished it, but do you know the concept of that show?
0: I do, yes.
1: Yeah, so she plays like eight different characters in that, and does it really well. Like, she's incredible. There's a couple of the characters you would, like, you if you didn't know, you probably wouldn't notice they were the same actress, and not because of, like, makeup. She's just that good. And she's great in this show, so I was I was really glad to see her when she showed up, because I hadn't realized she was going to be in it.
0: Yeah, no, she's she's fantastic, and definitely, like, the first episode, I was like, I don't know, this is fine. And then, like, the second she showed up, I was like, oh, no, I'm in. <laughs> well, I,
1: I really like Matthew Reese too.
0: Um, I like him, too. I just, that, like...
1: That goes a long way for me. I, I was a little bit hesitant after the first episode, too, though, because, I mean, I guess spoilers minor spoilers because this is literally the literally in the first scene of the movie you see a dead infant with its eyes sewn open like that is fucking grim and I'm not really sure that it needed to start up that
0: way (laughs) I don't think it did
1: (laughs) yeah you know it'd be one thing to like hear that it happened or whatever but you literally see it on screen in the first scene of the show I I was I, I was immediately kind of on my back foot about it because of that but I've I've largely come around, I would say. This is this is kind of a side note, but do, do you know anything at all about the original Perry Mason?
0: Not really. I think Dad likes him.
1: So I I didn't know anything about it other than that it was a thing that was popular. So I was while I was watching one of the episodes of this show, I looked up the old show to see if like these were these side characters in the old show like did, were they played by anyone familiar or whatever, it's just cuz I was curious. And I realized that in the original show, the original show was not a detective series. Perry Mason was not a detective. It was a legal, sh- a legal show. He was a lawyer.
0: Yeah, that was my okay. Like that was my impression because I, because he's the one who would do like the big court scenes, right? Right. Where he would yeah, like... he does
1: the th- he does the thing where he he gets someone to confess on the stand. Like that's the right.
0: Yeah, that that was my association.
1: I don't understand why. Like, how is it Perry Mason if they completely changed the premise? I don't understand why they chose to do it that way. I think I was mixing it up with Columbo which is the, the, a detective show. The, I think that was kind of what I was thinking it was just because I knew that this show was about a detective. I've also never... See, this is my my overall um, almost total ignorance of television pre-early like early <laughs> 2000s. I mean... Yeah. So, you know, this is all stuff that I'm sure is very obvious to a lot of people, but I was very confused by that when I realized that. I don't understand why they chose to do it that way. Like, why not make it its own thing if you're going to completely change the premise to that degree? Right. I thought that was a weird choice. But overall, I'm into the show.
0: Yeah, no, I'm liking it. Um, are you watching I May Destroy You?
1: Yes. And I th- I think
0: I'm caught up on that one.
1: I think I've watched six episodes.
0: Yeah, that sounds right. I'm pretty fucking obsessed with that show.
1: Yeah, no, that show's great. Uh, I was That one took me an episode or two as well, just because it was so not what I was expecting. I was expecting it to be a comedy. Yeah, so. the first
0: episode I watched, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this totally. And then I watched the second episode, and I was like, oh no, this, this may actually... This is brilliant. Yeah. Like, this... It's like, and it's it's such a fascinating delving into sexual politics of now and assaults and the reactions of people. But it is also funny. Like, it's totally, it, it has... I mean, it has, it has it has
1: funny moments, but it is not a comedy by any stretch. Which is, I think, just because, partially just because it's a half-hour show, I assumed it was a comedy. But also because her previous show was a comedy, Chewing Gum, which I watched the first season of and I remember really liking it. I was expecting it to be more... Along those lines, but I mean, that's not—that doesn't end up being a complaint because what it actually is is equally great. So I'm totally on board with that one. Did you, did you know that apparently the first season of that is like twelve or thirteen episodes? Mm-hmm. Which is weird for HBO. Like, yeah, I assumed that we were drawing to a close with the season, but we're only like halfway through.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 really just it's really just phenomenal, and I, I definitely think people should watch it with some mild trigger warnings because there's a lot about sexual. Assault. Yeah, there's. I mean, that
1: is that is really the theme of the show is like yeah. consent and what people think it is, and you know what they maybe not realizing and yeah it's it's all really well done
0: it's it's very smart it's very smart and it's it's just yeah i i feel like excited to watch it every week because i just genuinely don't know where it's going to go next or like how it's going to take things on and i think it's just been it's it's been really great so yeah mm-hmm.
1: and then one last thing on my hbo checklist tina and i have been watching i'll be gone in the dark have you been watching that
0: i have holy shit I'm not caught up, we didn't watch this week's episode because I was like, Eric, I would like to not watch, I was like, I would like to not watch this before you're about to leave for the weekend
1: oh yeah, Um, (laughs) yeah (laughs)
0: I am not usually, I love the shit out of true crime shows.
1: See, I'm, I, I don't, it's not inherently my thing, but.
0: But it is my thing, but I don't typically get, like, freaked out by them, but there have definitely been some, like, scenes in these first two episodes where I'm like, ah.
1: I mean, the, the whole home invasion thing is.
0: I mean, it's, it's worst nightmare material. It absolutely is. Like, not just home invasion, but, like, home invasion, like, playing with people and, like, just. Like fucking with them so badly as you're also assaulting them, it's fucking brutal. And then it's interesting. I and I definitely think that the the overlay of it being this—it's based on a book by what was her name, Michelle something. But um, you know, it being based on this true crime book. And I believe, am I wrong? They found out who it was, right? Like, That's what we're. Yeah. No.
1: He's he, the. They're. They're. Well, his. His try. They have a, a guy on trial. He's currently on trial. I'm not sure where the show is going to end off, but.
0: So yeah. So Michelle was before she passed, tragically, was the wife of Patton Oswald. And I think that that sort of, you know, this, the show really, you fo- can tell it's, uh, it's usually directed by, and I think it's run by a woman, the, this really, like, focus on, like, what made her so passionate about this story, and that, like, the work that she did and the obsession she had did lead to an arrest eventually like years after the fact and hopefully you know hopefully some sense of justice or closure for some of the incredible number of victims
1: well yeah i mean one of the things that i i think is interesting that the show highlights is that like this crime in particular but also probably a lot of these crimes like they are solvable for someone you just you just have to care enough to put the, the time into it you have to have the time and the resources and care enough
0: yep michelle mcnamara that was her name yeah yeah yeah
1: And, you know, like, there's interviews with detectives who worked the case back then and stuff, and, like, you know, it seemed like they were... It wasn't that they didn't care.
0: Right, they feel bad.
1: Right. Well, and at the time, at the time, they they maybe didn't have the resources to solve it. But they do now, and they have for for a long time, and it hasn't been solved.
0: The thing that I have thought about a lot in the last six months is my deep love of true crime and my very ambivalent at best feelings about police. Right. (laughs) And how frequently police are the heroes in these shows and that a lot of, it really is kind of the you know phrase going around Twitter right now is propaganda.
1: Whereas in this show it's like one after the other, they're all just kind of like, Yeah, we couldn't figure it out. I don't know.
0: <laughs> exact <laughs> It just exactly. kept happening. We I, I really it felt out. like this show is being like is 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 really being like look this didn't like this is a show especially at this moment where i'm like oh yeah god forbid we defund the police department and they won't be able to help with rape what would that be like
1: and one of the one of the things in the i think it was in the second episode that really stood out to me that they kind of i mean they didn't spend a lot of time on but like because this show is specifically about this one case but a couple of the cops talked about how like not only was this like this was not uncommon in that area in that time period there were a bunch of these guys doing this serial offenders. The the Golden State guy was not even the most prolific.
0: He was maybe the most creative.
1: Yeah, he was yeah, exactly. His story had that kind of horror movie element to it that got media attention and stuff. But there were there was a ton of this going on at the time apparently, which is just spine tingling. Like
0: Um So yeah, no, I mean it's great. It's it's a really fantastically put together. Um, docu series and I'm so grateful to get to watch it but also I would not recommend it for anyone who is spending a lot of time at home alone or um who is like sensitive towards mm-hmm. some of these towards watching some right. of these topics because it's definitely like it's not visually graphic but they definitely descri- there's a lot of victims describing their stories in extremely graphic yeah detail it's um, yeah. hard to watch and I'm glad they got a voice but and
1: they have I mean I don't know why but for some reason there is a ton of footage of Michelle McNamara talking about the like Talking about her process and all that. I don't know why she recorded all that stuff, but it's great that she did, and that it's now they're able to use it for this series. Because even though she, you know, she's gone, she died a few years ago now, but she's still very much a part of the of the show. Absolutely. So, yeah, Absolutely. it's really no, it's it's, great. it's been
0: great. I, I super would recommend it. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think we've we've probably talked long enough.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think I have anything else anyway. Yeah. So.
0: All right. Well, um, we will take on collapse and hopefully <laughs> take a look at that next week.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe his predictions will seem cheerful compared to what reality has turned into. So
0: who can say? Who can say? <laughs> All right. Bye, <goodbye>, everyone.
1: Bye. <laughs>